0: Take your Bible, if you have one, either on your phone or tablet or a physical Bible, and turn to Ephesians chapter 5, and uh, we're going to be jumping around and going to the Old Testament as well. Well, let's start with Hebrew or Ephesians chapter 5 in just a minute. Um, talking about HelloFresh, what is, what is missing in this ingredient that God says should be alive and good and vibrant and healthy when it comes to marriage and relationships, So uh, during Thanksgiving, I had the opportunity to do something that I don't get to do very often. I got to spend Thanksgiving with my mom. My mom came into town, and uh, we had a great time of just hanging out. Had Thanksgiving together on Thursday. Then Friday was just our lazy day. You guys know what I'm talking about? That day, some people, that's shopping day for us, it's like, I'm not going out fighting the stores. It's a lazy day. Uh, We got up. Slept in, had a great time, sitting in the living room. Everybody's kind of dozing off and doing things. And so we started watching things on TV. And then we come across this show where I'm watching it before I know it. I didn't know it, guys. I'm sorry. So don't judge me. I'm watching a Hallmark movie, and I didn't know it. <clears throat> I, I'm in the middle of this thing. And I'm, I'm caught up there. Here's this, this, this girl that lives in this small town. This is going to shock you that this is the way it went. But this is what the story looks like. And, and this guy, this unexpected guy, is not really wanting to move back to the, the small town, but he's there for business. And then he meets this girl, but they don't really click, but they're both a little intrigued. And then the storm comes in the town, and this, this tree falls on her house. And he shows up and like, takes this chainsaw, and he just takes care of it. And she comes out and is like, what are you doing? Well, the tree fell on your house. Well, I don't even know you, but I, I saw this need, and I'm taking care of it for you. And, and she's like, well, whatever. She just does her thing. And then somehow they're sitting on the back porch and she brings out a cup of iced tea and they're sitting there and she starts opening up and he listens to her. She's caught back by the fact that he's listening to her. And she talks about her favorite flower and he's in town and he sees that favorite flower and he drops it off and is like, oh my goodness, how did you know I listened to you? Then somebody starts picking on her and some other old boyfriend starts saying stuff and he gets out of his truck and walks over there and says, hey buddy, why don't you back off? And she's like, oh my goodness. And then so this, uh, this thing just builds up and it's like she falls for this guy and they ended up being attracted to one another and this unlikely couple that you never would have thought be couple ended up being a couple and you say what was that it was I'm sorry guys I mean I literally got up had the urge to buy a latte and wear a fanny pack after that or just like it was that bad And then I come to find out, yeah, all of you are saying, Tony, I have no idea what movie you're describing because every Hallmark movie has the same plot line. Whether it's a small town or it's a big town or whatever, but it's two unlikely people that are drawn to each other. Well, I looked it up and I was curious, how can they make so many of the same movies with the same plot line? And every year, whether it's Christmas season or whatever, all these girls are drawn to this and watch it over and over again. How can they get away with that? So here's literally the research. uh, Research shows that there's a lot of dopamine and oxytocin that gets released in watching these things. They make you feel happy. They literally say there's science behind it. They've done this. They're, they're, They're literally targeting you ladies. And you say, why is it that way? Because here's what happens. They understand that women mentally, emotionally, are drawn to men that are going to stand up for them, fight for them, work for them, help them, love them, listen to, to them, care for them, and they make movies about it because they say it sells. You know what? Here's the thing. They could have just skipped all the research and just realized that that's what the Bible says. Right, right. Those, are, those are the ingredients that God says that women are drawn to. And I know, I know there's going to be some. I'm a woman. I don't need all that. I, just pay attention, please. <laughs> They take these things that they know a woman craves and desires. And they just change the plot, change the color of the dude's hair and the, the scenario in the backdrop and the color of the pickup truck that he's driving. And they just redo it over and over again. See, the thing is, just like any, any kind of recipe, you can take two opposite things, put them into the recipe or put them in the bowl or whatever you're making... And all these unlikely things form together to make something that you couldn't imagine. It's, it's like taking flour and taking eggs and put them together. And you're like, that's not the same. That's not the same. Okay, let's try it. You, you can take uh, cocoa powder. You can and then you put this just a smidge of salt and, and things like this. And you just, does that matter? Yes, it matters. If, if the recipe calls for it, don't leave it out. Because it's not going to work if you leave that out. And the thing is that God created marriage. God created men and women so differently. And that's why when men are like, I don't need that. Well, she does. And I don't think that would work. But but God created the opposite people to fit in that way. He brings them together. In Ephesians 5.21, where we started with submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. I'm just going to say this again to remind you. God says, all right, before I get into the major ingredients, it takes two. It takes submitting It takes both of you on both sides of it saying, all right, I'll do that. And a lot of times we're all about, you women need to submit to your your husband or your man. The Bible is very clear at the beginning. Both of you have needs. Both of you have roles. Both of you have things and gifts to offer you. You were created differently to come together. You better say, I've got something you need, so I'm going to give it to you. I have something that you need. I'm going to offer it to you. It's submitting one to another. So I don't know if that's going to work. Well, did I, can I remind you that it closes out in the fear of God? That's not in the fear of God. Just like under the leadership and authority of God, God says, I made marriage. I know how it works. Just do your part, do your part, do your part, do your part. And like we were talking about last week, the Bible talks, talks about drawing nigh to him and he'll draw nigh to you. That's literally a walk. And some of you guys are way far away in your relationship and it's like just cold and distant. Challenge you to do this. Just take a step. Just take a step and watch what God does. So we get into this next part. And a lot of us start tuning out and saying, oh, wait a minute, I, 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 I'm, I'm not doing that. Listen to what it says. Wives, submit to your own husbands as unto the Lord. Now, I know in our culture today, the word submit, women are like, no way. Yeah, I'm, I'm done with that. That's what I'm doing. We have the idea, because it comes with this connotation. The, the man comes in, I'm the king of this castle. You do what I say, and I'm the boss around here, and I've got the authority, and you better. And, and he starts beating his chest and calling out orders and, 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 and trying to be this, this, this dude that is in charge of everything. And he ends up disrespecting his wife and bossing her around. He often will twist scripture around to make his wife feel as if she is nothing more than a servant to the man. That her opinion doesn't matter? That she is just there to meet his needs? There is sick emotional abuse that even happens in Christian homes and in Christian circles that often takes these things out of context. We often use the scripture, you better submit to me as a weapon, not understanding that the men's role is to lay his life down for his wife to lead in that way. So I ask you the question, like, okay, all right, I'm supposed to submit. Another word means to follow. Another word means to respect, or respect is a term that literally acknowledge his role, follow his lead, understand the position that God's put him in, and I'm here going to follow you as you follow Christ. But the women say, what am I submitting to? Or why should I submit to him? He doesn't listen to a thing that I say. My opinion doesn't matter. If he gets money, it's not going to go into a date or a gift or a surprise. It will go into golfing. It will go into whatever sport he has. It will go into whatever thing that he thinks he should be saving up for that boat or whatever. He doesn't help me with the kids. He never compliments me. When he gets around his buddies, he makes fun of my cooking. He's never romantic. He's never sweet. He doesn't encourage me. He doesn't go out of his way to lift me up. Why should I submit to that? Can I explain to you guys, when God makes something, there's an attractiveness there. If, if, if the husband is doing his job and the wife is doing their job, it's like magnets, okay? Now, now think about how magnets work. If you take them and put the same size together, they actually put each, push each other away. But when you acknowledge that they were made differently, the fact that, that God made the role of a husband and the role of a wife and the needs of a husband, the needs of a wife differently, they attract. The world fights against us being different. They try to blur the lines all the time and say, well, we're all now in value. We are the same. And I'm going to prove that through Scripture. When it comes to our opinions, when it comes to, I, I, I tell you what, if, if I didn't know to how to submit to my own wife and understand that she has an opinion about things, that perspective of things, I'd be in a lot of trouble. She's my helpmate. She's my partner in life as we go through things. God gave her to me, as, as a partner, as, as, as Batman and Robin facing the trials of life. But I need to explain the foundation of this. Because if we're going to respect our spouses and we're going to put that ingredient in there that is vital, then we, understand, we have to understand why. Let me take you back to Genesis. And we're going to get to it because it says husband and wife submits. But then again, we're like, what does that mean and what does that mean? What is their role and what is my role? What am I submitting to? And I thought it was kind of weird because wouldn't it have made more sense in our eyes if it would have started with the husband because he's the leader? Husband, love your wives as Christ so loved the church, and wives submit to your husbands. That order makes sense, but I I did not write the Bible. So what God did is like, husbands, I'm going to define that, now wives follow that. So it starts with our description. So what is our description? Let's break this down. See, in Genesis 2.18, and the Lord God said, "...it is not good for man to be alone." I will make him a help meet for him. Help meet, two different words. The word meet in this context is an adjective that means suitable for. God said, I'm going to make a helper or a partner that is suitable for the needs that he has. It's not a coincidence that you said, I met him and we just click and we fell in love. And oh my goodness, I love this and love this about him. That was, God does that. God knew what Adam needed and God knew what Eve needed. And God brought them together in unity of that. That is so important why we start our marriages, walking with God so that God brings the right people into our lives. Because oftentimes we create a disaster because you marry somebody that God did not design for you. You did it in the flesh. You did it out of lust. You did it out of obligation or whatever it was. And it wasn't God leading you. It was you. And I do believe in even those situations that God is able to restore and repair and do amazing things through those things. When God created Adam and Eve in Genesis 1.27, he made a distinction. And God created man in his own image, and the image of God created he, them. Male and female created he, them. Different on purpose. Why did God create man and woman at different times? Now, we know this. It's it's something that we grew up learning. God, God goes before he created Eve. He got down in the dirt and formed man out of dirt. When God created Eve, he took part of man, uh, the par- part of the rib from him and went over and created Eve. God was doing that to make a distinction. Remember those magnets, turn them around, they're drawn to each other. God's making things differently. The only way we're going to be able to turn them around and make them connect is we've got to acknowledge what we're different. The roles that we play. The reason why God did this. But in creation, God started with a man before he created the woman. Um, let me explain why. Because when God creates man and, and woman in Genesis one, He then explains the breakdown of it and the why in Genesis chapter two. The husband's role is to number one to walk with God. Now I'm going to describe. You say, "What is? What am I supposed to? to, to, to uh, sorry. What am I supposed to submit to? What am I supposed to follow?" God says, "Let me describe it." God forms man out of the dirt. Eve's not even in the picture. And the Bible says in 2.15, And the Lord God took the man. So let's go. At the very beginning, there was nobody. There was not family. There was not sports. There was not jobs. There was not activities. All that was there was man and God. Before he was even distracted by the woman, before there was any other thing happening in there, it was just man and God. He was drawn to God. He drew his strength from God. He got his instructions from God. We learn our role from God. We learn to submit from God. Adam had to submit to God. He was learning the understanding of what he was supposed to do. This was training for him. He was learning to meet her needs. He was learning to know his role of what he was creating her, him to be. Notice this. And the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and keep it. Next, his role was to provide, to work and provide. Now, you got to understand, they lived in a perfect society. Everything was laid out for them. But God still said, I'm going to give you a place, a job. You know what his job was? Placed them in the garden. What was Eden? That was their home. He had a home and he had a job at the very beginning. And you know what he was to do? He was to work the garden. You know why? To get food. Why? To provide for his family. This was before the curse. If you're like, i got to work a job because of the curse. From the very beginning of time, God created it where man would have responsibilities. And this responsibility came into play before Eve was ever created. He has a job. I challenge you men. And I know their circumstances. I know men that, that, that they hurt their backs or they get in tr- some sort of uh, physical problems. and they can't, I, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about just the role of when God created it for men to step up. I challenge every mom and dad, teach your kids, teach your boys to work teach them to step up, teach them to get a job, teach them responsibility. You know why? Because one day he's going to step into that role that God created him to do that. His job is to work. His role was to protect. The Lord God took the man and put him into the garden. By the way, everything we're talking about, Eve is not present yet. And there's a reason that God didn't say, and Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve, he was breaking it down. Put the man into the garden of Eden to dress it and keep it. Two separate things that he had to do. The word keep means to guard, to protect. That's why we have the word guard your heart, keep your heart, put up walls around it. God was acknowledging in this world, I'm going to give you things. I'm going to give you responsibility, but I want the man to step up and protect. I want the man to take charge. I want the man to establish his home on the rock and give them something solid and foundational in life. And man, you better have her back and let her know that you have her back. She needs to know that. It wasn't just her home, it was her heart. When God created Adam, He created Adam from, or created Eve, He created Eve from the bone which was closest to his heart. You know what Eve had in her body that came from Him? That bone that went around her heart. Guard her heart. Be the man. Step up. Acknowledge the fact that God's giving you something special in your life. You're to guard it. I think this happens physically in life too. Just to guard or be out front in front of them. Me and Jenny lived in Jacksonville, Florida, and we lived in a not great part of town. When we 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 were just trying to find some place that we could afford, there was all these break-ins around Christmas. People were like literally in the apartment complex that we we're in, busting in. I was a little paranoid. <laughs> I'm like. I didn't have a gun. I had these babies, but that's the only two guns that I had. Oh my. And so, so here it was in the middle of the night, we hear this glass break in our apartment. I was like, oh my goodness, I was scared to death. So what happened was we had this shelf and we taped our stockings, our, our Christmas stockings, on there. With the night before, we filled them full of everything we were going to give each other the next day. When well, we had this glass end table sitting underneath it, it fell and it sounded like glass broke. It wasn't glass it was just the fact that it sounded like it. I jump up in the middle of the night. I grab the first thing that I could find, which was a broom. Run into the living room. And I'm like, woohoo! You know, like Jenny walked down. She said, so you're going to protect me with a broom. It was like, <laughs> she felt safe, buddy. She felt safe. But there should be an instinct inside of us as men. God gave me a wife. and I'm going to do whatever it takes to prote- provide for her and protect her. She needs that to step up and verbalize this, show this. His role was to be a spiritual leader. Genesis 2.16, and the Lord God commanded the man. Eve's not in this, saying, of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou uh, shalt not eat of it. From the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Here, God gave him a responsibility and said, I'm going to teach you how to lead. I'm going to teach you right from wrong. God could have easily did this with Adam and Eve. God says, I'm going to do it with Adam. You know what you're going to do, Adam? You're going to pass it down to your wife. You're going to pass it down to your kids. I'm going to to put you in a position to teach and to lead. That, That doesn't mean that women don't grow in the Lord. It doesn't mean that they don't receive things from the Lord. It doesn't mean that we're not responsible for that. Me and Jenny, when in our relationship, iron sharpens iron. We both go back and forth with this. But we have a responsibility to lead our family, to be the spiritual leader. God told man, I need you to know this, and I need you to lead in this way. And then his role was to commit. And then God caused a a deep sleep to fall upon man, and he slept and took one of his ribs and closed the flesh thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had made from man, he made a woman and brought her unto the man. And, And Adam said, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Now, here's the demonstration. I already told you the role of that was the fact that it was there to protect her heart. But let me take it a little bit different, a little deeper than this. Do you realize that Eve was part of Adam and Adam was part of Eve? No other relationship is described this way in Scripture. And a lot of times we're like weird when we're teaching kids about it. God took the rib from Adam and he made it Eve. And you're like, was God running low on parts? I mean... I mean, he couldn't, he ran out of dirt to make her, but he was, it was different. God was literally saying, I'm going to, I'm going to make you guys part of each other. I created man, now I'm going to create marriage. I created man, now I'm going to create a relationship. And he brought them in. So Adam and Eve get into a big fight. Adam goes before God and says, I'm sick of her. God says, all right, go ahead and separate. Eve, I want my rib back. The only way that can happen is God would have had to rip her apart and take from her that which was meant to guard her heart. And I tell you, Satan loves to see that. I'm not beating anybody up that's ever been from divorce, been through a divorce. I'm not saying that at all. Please hear my heart. I I told you before that God forgives and God restores and God does amazing things. But I tell you, God's goal is till death do us part. God's reason for marriage is to bring us together. And God gave that very illustration from the very beginning of Genesis to bring them together, unite them in such a way that they are bound together in such a way that what God has put together, let no man separate. Commitment. A lot of times we, in relationships, we want the benefits without the commitment. She's not listening to me. I can't get her to follow. She has no respect for me. Um... Are you guys living together? So there's no commitment. At any point, you guys could walk away, but you want, you want all the benefits of a committed relationship of uh, till death do us part, for better or for worse. We want that part of it, but we don't want the commitment part. Can I tell you, it doesn't work that way. We try to live like we're married and the benefits that we're married in. Our culture today does this constantly, and it doesn't work. But what happens emotionally, we bind ourselves together and then we pull each other apart. And then it's like, man, I, I, I'm falling apart. I thought I loved him. Because you stepped into the realm of marriage without the commitment of marriage. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. God had a plan for bringing them together before they ever were sexually involved with each other. That God had a plan to bring them together and this commitment to bond. By the way, God did the commitment Men are a reflection of God. We are there to tell our wives, our spouses, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. We don't get upset and throw out the divorce word. You know why? Because when we throw out the divorce, it puts it in the back of their mind. One day he's going to walk out of me. Jesus never walks out on us. He said, love your wives as Christ so loved the church and gave himself for it. It was an example of that. But then with all of these things coming together, God established accountability. The husband's role is to be accountable to God. Back to Ephesians. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church and the savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let wives be to their own husbands in everything. The head, the leader, the one out front. Let me go back to the illustration. You know how the world will take things and say, oh, this is how it works, like talking about relationships and the things that should be there. They did the same thing with this. Everything that we know in life has to have a leader, has to have a head. Somebody's got to be out front to make the call and, and head the direction. There's got to be a point man. There's got to be somebody accountable when things go wrong, we, we hold them accountable. Let me give you some illustration, illustrations. A nation has a president. A company has a CEO. An army has a general. A ship has a captain. A church has a pastor. A team has a coach. A story has a manager. An airplane has a pilot. I'm going to ask you in any one of those things, is that person uh, steering the the, the plane or flying the plane or whatever, they more important than anybody else? Absolutely not. But the responsibility that's been given to them is to make sure that they go through all the checks and balances to make sure everything's in line. Prepare the cabin for takeoff. We're about to land in this. We're going to make a detour of this. Why? They've got to be at the front watching out, listening to the commands coming into their headphones and make sure they stay on track. That's not just a Bible thing. That's something that we, we live out in, in, in society today. Someone has to lead. Allow me to explain the order that God has put here. In 1 Corinthians eleven three, 3, But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ. To the head of every woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. Now, we struggle with the idea that the husband's the head of the home, and the wife is to submit and follow his leadership, or follow the role that God has given him. Say, like, I'm not doing that. Well, can I show you who did do that? Did you notice that Christ is subject to God? Now you're going to stand back and say, whoa, 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 wait. I read that, but can I remind you that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are three in one. You guys understand that the Trinity. Would anybody say that God is more important than Jesus or Jesus is more important than the Holy Spirit? None of us would say that. But the illustration that God was saying that, that Jesus had a different role to play. Okay, here's the role that he played. When he was on earth, he he came, I and my father are one. Even the fact that Jesus sent his son in the world, he he put an order there. My father sent the son. Now, are they the same and equal? Absolutely. But one had a role to play to submit to the father. When they found Jesus, 12-year-old Jesus, he turned around and he said, I must be about my father's business. I'm on a mission to do what he's called me to do. When he went to the garden... He prayed, not my will, but thy will be done. He knew that he was on a mission. The Bible says even in um, Philippians, and he found a fashion of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Jesus came to live out the role to die for us in respect to the authority of his father. How is Eve to know what was right and wrong? She was supposed to get the instructions from her husband. Now, I'm going to ask you guys a deep theological question, okay? And I want you to yell it out. Who ate in the garden? Who ate of the tree first? Okay, let me ask you again. Who ate first? Eve ate first. Adam followed. So I'm going to ask you, when it comes to the accountability of what happened, do we blame Eve or do we blame Adam? Really, it depends on if we're asking a man or a woman, okay? (laughs) Okay. Well, a lot of times Eve did it, she ruined everything. Well, the Bible actually says, "For by sense man, by man came death, and by man came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive." Eve is not mentioned. Why? Because Adam was accountable. Let me take you back to the story. After they sinned, and they ran and hid themselves from God, they're in the garden. You can remember the story, God walks in the garden. He says, Adam, Eve, where art thou? Adam, Eve, where did you go and hide? Is that what the Bible says? We tell the story like that all the time, but that's not what happened. And they heard the voice of God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam, his wife, hid themselves from the presence of the Lord amongst the trees in the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, where art thou? Why? Why? Adam was to lead his home. Adam was accountable to God. Adam was responsible for his family. Eve was to follow the leadership of his husband. And when Eve messed up, Adam messed up because he was accountable to God. We're explaining what are we submitting to. What are we respecting in the home? Why is it not working? I'll ask those men right now. Men... How are you doing as your role as a husband? Well, she's not submitting. Oh, okay, we'll talk about that. What is she submitting to? You say, I'm the husband. Okay, define that by the word of God. We just did. Your job is to lead spiritually, your job is to be accountable to God, your job is to protect, your job is to provide, your job is to walk with God. How are you doing? Well, it's not working. I'm, okay. How are you doing? I'm not saying any of us are perfect. But a lot of times when things are messed up and things are not working right, it's because we're, we're, we're holding our wife and we say, wife, submit to your own husbands. And the wife says, I thought you were to lead. And there's this mess up that happens in here. Can I, can I pause and interject something as we go here? Oftentimes, and I, I said that I want to make this about every age group, okay? A lot of times this is not happening in the relationship of marriage because the wife or the, the girlfriend is not dating the right kind of man. Dating is not a ministry. It's not an outreach. I'm dating him right now because I'm going to bring him to Jesus. If he's not walking with Jesus, you should not be dating him. You should not be dating him. Dating is not a ministry. Don't look for a fixer upper, don't date a project, don't date a guy with potential. Look for the guy that is living the role. Well, once he gets into that role, no, 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 no. Before Eve was ever created, God said, here's what you are to be. And then Eve was brought in. The Bible says, be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship, hath righteousness with unrighteousness, what communion, have light with darkness? When it comes to lost people, go out of your way, love them, lead them, be the example, and teach them who Jesus Christ is. But when it comes to a relationship of dating for a potential mate, do not cross the line of dating somebody that is not a potential mate. You wonder why is it not working? Because you are unequally yoked. It's like bringing oil and water together. Uh, the, the, hus- the Bible says that you, I'm supposed to you know, follow you as Christ loved the church and you're supposed to love me in this way. And the husband says, what, Bible? I'll do what I, I, I my old man taught me to do it this way and that's the way that I'm going to do it. They're not going by the same recipe, and it won't work. And I say that now because a lot of times we get so infatuated with the fact, oh, he's so cute, and he's this, and he's that. I'll tell you, cuteness comes and goes. I'll I'll be honest. You can date a guy with hair, and that could come and go. I'm just saying from experience. But Some guys are so good-looking that God takes away their hair, and they're still a stud. And I'm just saying, it's out there. Do you hear that loud amen? That's my wife over there yelling that out. <laughs> Settle down, babe. We'll get to that. <clears throat> There's two basic ingredients for a happy marriage, or a godly marriage, or a marriage that works. Ephesians 5.22, Wives, submit to your husbands as unto the Lord. Verse 25, husband, love your wife, as Christ so loved the church and gave himself for it. She needs love. He needs respect. The University of Washington did a study with 20,000 couples over the span of 20 years. They literally measured their heart rate. They sat them down. They interviewed them. They put them on lie detector tests. They published a book afterwards that say why marriages succeed or fail. They came up with this conclusion after 20 years and 20,000 couples on this. They say men need respect. Women need love. They could have skipped 20,000 interviews and just read the word of God. See, the thing is, the way that we're programmed is the fact that we were programmed by God and God just tells us in the Bible how this is going to work. And God lays it out for us. There are struggling marriages today because the other person is starving to have their needs met. And we get into this stalemate. Sometimes we can't even put it in the words. But let me just hit this hard as we close, this, this one ingredient. The Bible says, wives, submit to your husbands as unto the Lord. The word submit literally means respect or honor or stand behind them. Get behind them. As they follow God, you follow them. As they answer to God, acknowledge the role that they have been given. So I'm going to ask you guys some questions and just kind of do this in checks and balances. How does the wife respect her husband? I ask you this. Are you his supporter? God brought you into his life to support him as he follows God. Now, some of you, I know, in the back of your mind say, it's not working because this isn't there and he's not this. And I married a girl that doesn't even want to go to church. But here's what I'm going to go back to. You can't change his heart, but God can. All you know to do is when God says this is what should be there, is take the first step. Say, is that going to change his heart? All I know is to preach what he said. I can't, I can't play Dr. Phil. I can't, I can't jump into these situations. All I can do is give you God's word. Marriage is God's program. Let him do the work. But are you his supporter? <clears throat> As he follows God, you follow him because he's accountable to God to do this. So he needs you. Listen, he needs you to have his back. He needs to know that as he steps up to do his job, that you're going to encourage him as he does this. Satan will step in if you go back to the role. Adam's doing his job. Satan just looks up and says, I can mess this up. And he walks right in. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. He walks right in and starts to mess it up. I'm telling you guys. Your husband needs to know that you acknowledge his role. Because a lot of times you just view it as like he's the boss or he's trying to do this or she's trying to be, be in charge of everything. If he leads your family to be in church, respect him and follow him. Respect him and follow him. If he puts standards for the home and he addresses your kids and says, listen, this is what God wants us to do and this is right and this is wrong, don't listen to your dad. He's old fashioned. That's not what's popular. That's not what's in. You need to follow him as he follows Christ. Because I'll tell you what happens next. Genesis, or in Ephesians chapter 6, children obey your parents and the Lord. It's hard to obey your parents when they're on different pages. But God had a plan. Satan so knows if he can mess up the man, he can mess up the relationship, he can mess up the kids. And that's what happens. God had a plan. If you are married to a man that desires to follow God, give, him, give thanks to God and back him up as he does it. Support his efforts. Do you see how hard he works? Do you see how he leads your kids? Do you see how he acknowledges God? Do you see how he spends time with God? Then back him up. He needs that. Number two, are you his encourager? Husbands need encouragement. We are hardwired by God to need this. Let me break this down and illustrate this. Again, in the society that we have, there's not a woman's sport that you could go to that you're going to find a bunch of guys on the sidelines with pom-poms. Well, actually, I don't know. It's 2023. Maybe you do. (laughs) But I'm saying if you want to find cheerleaders, go to a men's sport and look on the sidelines and you're going to find girls out there yelling out, you can do this. Go, go, go. Why is that? Because we know that we're hardwired to be enforced or encouraged that as we run the race, as we do what God's called us to do, to know that we have people cheering us on. And God created women to be the closest thing to their heart, to know their needs, to know their struggles, to know what they're going through, and to have their backs as they go through this. John Eldridge wrote the book, Wild at Heart. He was talking about raising young boys to be men and, and what that means. And 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 not to be feminine and not to be passive and, you know, all this. And to to understand what it means to be a man and a leader and a fighter and to stand up for what's right. He gave this illustration in the book and he said, take your son playing at a ball game. He gets out there and you're cheering him on, his mom and dad. And you're saying, go get him slugger. Mom and daddy love you. You've got this. He's sitting there doing his thing, getting ready to bat. Take that girl, the teenage girl from his class walking up to that fence, just whispering the words, you've got this, buddy. Steps back, puffs out his chest, takes that bat and hits it with all he's got. You know why? Because something in us is hardwired to know that the girl that we like or the girl that we love has our back and she's cheering us on. We're connected in that way. We're wired in that way. And a lot of times what men will tell me and people will go through it's like, I, I, I work 18 hours a day, and I get this done, and I take care of this, and I love her in this way, and I do all these different things, and I walk through the door, and all she'll do is like, well, you forgot to pick up your shoes. Did you notice that the heat's on in the house? Did noticed notice that you have a car to drive? She noticed that I got up early this morning, that I went out in the cold, and that I worked all day, and I came back? Do you see what I do? Do you recognize the work that I put in it? Or is it just the negative? And I promise you, it's easy to find the negative. You can always find the negative. But do you see what the positive is? Ephesians 4.29, I think it is. The the Bible talks about um, the the, the words that we're to say. If you notice, this happens right before this description. It's one chapter over. And he said, talk about not words that corrupt, but words that edify, that it might minister grace to the hearers. If this matters to people in your life and people around you, how much more does it matter when you have a wife that cheers you on to edify you in the role and the responsibility as you fight for your family? She encourages you in the fights. We need affirmation. Point out what is good, not just what is wrong. And cheer them on. Say, well, he doesn't do much. When he does do something, notice it. He's got a long way to go, but I tell you, if he makes this step, cheer him on and notice it. They need that. It's God's plan for us. The Bible says it is better to dwell in the wilderness than with a contentious woman and an angry woman. The Bible mentions other times it's better man would rather dwell on the housetop than to be in a house with an angry woman. And sometimes we get things out of balance because of the fact, and I I know stress in life but we've got to open our eyes and say God's blessed me with a man that is fighting for my family and trying to do what's right and I'm not just going to argue and debate with him about everything. Because eventually the husband will get in his mind just saying I don't want to go home. I don't want a date night. I dread walking through the door. I, I, I dread seeing her. I'm going I'm to hear what's wrong and hear what I'm not doing right. When Jen and I First came to fellowship, I was uh, a youth pastor, and I was stressed to the max. I was doing the youth rally at the time, if anybody remembers, and we were building stages and bringing in teenagers, and it was one of the most fun times of my ministry and one of the most stressful times of ministry, just balancing everything that I was doing. And I told Jenny that morning, I'm just stressed out, I'm tired. I said, I'm so worn out, babe, I'm so worn out. Well, we, we had young kids, and date nights were more complicated in getting out. And I remember I came home and walked through the door, and she had a candlelight dinner, and I'm like, what is this? I said, where's the kids? She said, don't worry about them. She had them locked in the basement. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> she, 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 she actually did, <laughs> but not locked. She, she set up games and stuff for them in the basement. And then she went to Redbox and rented us a movie, and we had dinner, and we sat on the couch. And we just sniggled, snuggled, sniggled. Snuggled. That's the next level of snuggling. You'll get there. Sniggling. And we just sat on the couch, and I tell you what, I needed her. To see me in the role that I was doing and the stress that I had and the responsibility that I was carrying, and she just bared my burden and got behind me and acknowledged what I was doing. And I didn't have to say, I'm really tired and worn out. Will you will, will you see what I'm doing tonight and help me encourage me? She was stepped up to do that. She needs your support. He needs your support. He needs your encouragement. And he needs you to be his lover. When God created man and woman, God created them differently, and God created them with different needs that they had in their life. And and let me just lay it out there, And, and the Bible says, and they were both naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. When Adam was taught his responsibility, and God... Taught him to be the man and to be the leader. and, and like then, then God was going to prepare him for what he needed. Now just think about what happened in this. Just go by the timeline of this. God says, I need you to be this. I need you to be this. I need you to be this for her. He wakes up and what is in front of him? A naked woman. It's just the Bible. And God has established intimacy from the very beginning. Intimacy is the fact that God brought two people together and connected them in an emotional bond that is totally different than any other relationship. Brought them closer than any other relationship. Created a bond that was different than any other relationship. Made them connect in this way. Why is that? Because God put something inside of a woman to draw and be attached to communication. And God put something inside of a man that was physical. And now those two things balance each other out. They connect. The woman is drawn to a man when she feels like I'm listened, I'm heard. You provide for me and things. She's drawn to that. The man is drawn when you see my needs. You understand that he was created by God to be a sexual person. I know it happens on both sides. I'm not saying that it's not. But God makes it dominant one side to create balance within the relationship. And a lot of times this is not happening. It happens in the honeymoon phase, and it's all about that. and And then what happens is we get married. And then we get distracted. We have kids. The kids end up sleeping in the bed every night. There's unhealthy habits that we can create that ruin the intimacy in our relationships. We get stressed. We don't take the time. We stop with the surprises. We stop with the effort. We stop with all these things and then both of us feel distant because God created us to be intimate. But all these things get in the way and push us apart in relationships. And by the way, if God made sex to be part of marriage, and God made men to desire that in the relationship, to draw them close and to make them addictive, go ahead and read Proverbs. Read Song of Solomon. This isn't just me making this up. It's in the Bible, and we should be preaching this. And if we preached it more, we'd have less casualties. Say this is awkward. Well, at least you're not me right now, okay? But it's biblical. And the less we preach it, the more casualties we have. God says, I'm going to create this desire inside men, and I'm going to create the outlet through his wife, and I'm going to make it good. But let me tell you if you take the outlet away and it's not there, the only thing that's left for them is sin. And Satan will be there the whole time, messing with their minds. Your wife doesn't care, she doesn't see you, she doesn't know. And let me tell you, it's got to be initiated. It's got to be both parts. The same way you say, I just want communication. And we'll talk about this stuff next week. I want communication. I want him to see me. I want him to talk. I want him to connect to my heart. So can you imagine if that was the way that you did relationships is you walked him around. Please talk to me. Will you talk to me? I want you to talk to me. I wish you would talk to me. Let's sit down and talk. And the husband turns around and says, whatever. Let's get this over with. What do you want to talk about? The wife would not be like, oh, he's the man. She'd be like, you know what? It's fine. It's not just the words that you say. It's the desire of your heart to see the need in my life and you step into that need to say, I love you. I'm going to submit to the need that you have and give myself for you. It's the same thing with sex and men. If he's got to beg and plead and hint and guilt, at the end of it, it is not fulfilling at all. And Satan works all over this. And we have casualties and couples that are going to church that feel so distant, and yet they have all the information. And the Bible even says, nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife, and let every woman have her own husband. Let the husband render to the wife, do benevolence, literally, give her what she needs render it give it submit it present it let the husband render unto the wife due benevolence and likewise the wife unto the husband and the wife hath not power over her own body well it's not me it's whatever no my wife my life belongs to the other person and the husband and likewise also the husband hath not power over his own body but the wife you know what that does it goes back to the initial thing about submitting therefore one to another let me explain this what's going to happen You see the need in the fact that I need to be the leader. I need to step up spiritually. I need to protect her. I need to see her needs. I need to have her back. I need to give her security. I'll try it. The wife is over here submitting. I don't know what that is. He led us in prayer last night. He complimented me on dinner. And he normally makes fun of me. He worked hard and then came home and helped me with the kids. Okay. And all of a sudden, submitting therefore one to another in the fear of God begins to change what you thought was so distant, so broken, so impossible, so not going to happen. And God made the change. But as long as there's pride, I'll move when he moves and I'll submit when she submits or he submits. I'll tell you, Satan's just in the middle going, just keep going, keep going. because a domino effect between you, your spouse, your kids, your ministry, and reaching the world. It's time to turn things around.